Bible reading for today is Philippians chapter 3, beginning at verse 20 through to Philippians chapter 4, verse 9. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Okay, let me introduce you to Manny Bianco from the TV show Black Books. Now, Manny is stressed. He's filled with worry about his job, his, his boss, his life in general. He's tense. He's on edge. Uh, he's constantly buzzing with things on his mind. And so to help manage his stress, uh, Manny reads from The Little Book of Calm, a book filled with nice uh, platitudes, relaxing things to help him feel more relaxed. And then one day, Manny accidentally knocks the little book of calm into his soup and he swallows it and it ends up sort of lodged somewhere in his intestine and he's pretty stressed about this. And it turns out the doctors need to operate, but before they can, overnight, somehow, the little book of calm mysteriously gets sort of absorbed into Manny's system and he becomes transformed. Uh, he's no longer anxious, he's completely relaxed, and uh, the, the wisdom of the little book of calms just starts flowing from within him. And uh, he'll share it with anyone he, he comes in contact with who, who looks a little tense. Uh, so, you know, he says, add a drop of lavender to your bath, and soon you'll soak yourself calm. Or uh, this one, when you rest, you're a king surveying your estate. Look at the woodland, the peacocks on the lawn. Be the king of your own calm kingdom. Ah, that's, that's nice. <laughs> um, now, we often can feel like Manny before he swallows the little book of calm. But how can we be like Manny after he swallows the little book of calm? And to find out, we're continuing with our series on Paul's letter to the Philippians. Now, this is a letter all about joy. Uh, joy or rejoicing is mentioned uh, 13 times throughout the letter. And in verse 4 of chapter 4, uh, 
Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. And then in case you miss it, he says it again. And he even tells us he's going to say it again, rejoice. Now, this seems ridiculous when we consider Paul's context. As we've heard already earlier in the series, Paul is in prison. He's awaiting a possible death sentence. And here he is telling other Christians to rejoice. How can he say that? This is the question for us this morning. How can we be, uh, how can we rejoice and not be anxious in life? Because let's face it, we, we find ourselves constantly facing difficult situations, challenges, stress, demands on our time and energy, being tossed about by the storms of life, swept along in the winds of circumstance. To begin with, let me ask you, what have you been anxious about this week? What's worrying you? What are you stressed by? Paul was rock solid in the midst of dire circumstances. This is a man with a peace in his heart that is unshakable, despite the situation he finds himself in. And this peace, as he identifies in this passage, it's the peace of God. Having the peace of God is having an inner calm, a sense of tranquility in the soul that is settled and secure, even in the midst of troubles and trials and stresses. And this is what we're going to need if we're going to be people who are steadfast through the ups and downs of life. The peace of God. So how do we get it? Well, the peace of God uh, comes from three things that we'll see in this passage. Firstly, it comes from having perspective. It comes from having perspective. Secondly, the peace of God flows from prayer. And thirdly, the peace of God requires practice. So peace of God uh, comes from perspective, flows from prayer and requires practice. Um, As we get started, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, God of peace, uh, thank you for your word, which speaks life into our souls. Um, By your spirit, please open our ears to hear uh, what you have to say to us. And may you transform uh, our lives. We pray in Jesus name. Amen. Uh, So if we're going to experience the peace of God, the first thing we need is perspective. Now, having perspective means zooming out from your immediate circumstances to see the big picture so that you can see whatever you're facing in its proper light. So let's have a look and see how Paul helps us do that. So let's read uh, from chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. He says, But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. So Paul is reminding the Philippians of the grand vision of the Christian life, that we're not just plodding along here in the day to day, you know, doing kind of mundane things, but we, we have something beyond. Uh, we are citizens of heaven. We have a perfect eternal home and we have a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will rescue us from all the brokenness and pain we experience. This is a saviour who is powerful, powerful enough to have all things under his control, including whatever situation we find ourselves in. And we're waiting for him to return to make all things new, 
to restore the broken world to be as God intended, to usher in the new creation, which includes the transformation of our bodies, to be like his glorious resurrected body, never to die again. Wow. This is our true reality. And Paul says in verse 1 of chapter 4, Therefore, stand firm in the Lord in this way. Stand firm in the Lord in this way. So when we grasp this, we can stand firm. We can experience God's peace. But that peace is threatened when we let our circumstances, the things that worry us, become bigger in our hearts and minds than the greater heavenly reality that Paul talks about. And that was the problem with the unresolved conflict between the two women Paul mentions, Euodia and Syntyche. How does unresolved conflict arise? Well, in part from a loss of perspective. What becomes most important? It's my rights, my opinions, what the other person owes me, how they've wronged me. This becomes bigger than our identity in Christ. And so it erodes my sense of peace. We need perspective beyond the immediate situation. Uh, I enjoy standing outside at night looking up at the stars. Uh, It's amazing. It's beautiful. Um, And it's a very different view on life compared with if I look down at my feet uh, versus looking up at the night sky. And in the same way, we need to look up from our present situation to gaze upon the glorious reality that Paul paints for us here to see what we're experiencing in its proper light. We're able to see its actual importance relative to the much greater heavenly and eternal circumstances that God has secured for us. So consider what's threatening your peace at the moment. The worries, the stresses, the things that unsettle you. How does your perspective need to shift? How do you view those things when you see them in light of the gospel reality? Well, it's one thing to have perspective, but how do we really experience it and let it sink in? So we come now to our second point, prayer. Prayer. So Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. Now, the word for anxiety here means to be troubled with cares, literally to be pulled apart in different directions, like your hopes and expectations are being torn one way as your trials and troubles tear you the other way. Anxiety unsettles and disturbs our inner calm and robs us of peace. Now, I want to spend a moment here to clarify what we're talking about when we refer to anxiety in this context. Uh, And there's a helpful diagram from the Mental Health and Pastoral Care Institute uh, that we'll take a look at here. Uh, So you can see here this Venn diagram uh, with uh, three three aspects to it. Uh, Three different kinds of anxiety. So firstly, we've got godly concern. Godly concern. So this is Uh, having a legitimate worry or concern that reflects godly priorities. Um, So, for example, in 2 Corinthians, we read Paul is concerned for his churches. Uh, Or another example might be, you know, if you have a sick child or loved one or 
you've got a really difficult situation at work. Um, there's uh, an appropriate response uh, where you're concerned about that. Secondly, we have um, this category of uh, anxiety disorders. Um, so this is where we're thinking about mental illness. So this, this category is a physiological and psychological category. And then thirdly, we've got this category of anxiety and worry, which comes from a lack of trust in God. So this is a spiritual category. Um, now, we know that mental illness is a significant issue in our society at present, and perhaps you or someone you know struggles with mental health issues. Um, and I think it's important that we're, we're sensitive about that and acknowledge the complexities and challenges associated with that. Uh, now, we're wanting here in this passage to address the spiritual category. Um, so thinking about anxiety and worry uh, as with, with the root of um, a lack of trust in God. But notice that the circles overlap uh, in the Venn diagram. So there can be common elements to each one of these things. So, for example, um, godly concern could develop into worry from a lack of trust in God. Or there could be a legitimate concern that could trigger mental health symptoms um, and so on. Um, it's complex. And it's important to say here that we are holistic beings um, that all of all of these elements and aspects to what makes us up as people um, are intertwined, uh, and we need wisdom. Uh, we need to ask for God's help, for His Spirit to um, guide us uh, through as we um, tackle these things. Uh, if this raises questions or issues for you, um, please come chat to me or uh, or to Ben, our pastor. Um, I, and I also encourage you that um, if you have or think you might have mental health issues to see your GP um, and or a psychologist. Uh, but let's, let's keep going uh, as we think about um, this spiritual category of um, anxiety. Uh, so instead of being anxious, Paul says we are to turn to God in prayer. When? Well, Paul says in every situation. Every situation, whether big or small, the life-changing stuff and the mundane day-to-day -day moments. See, the point is not about how stressed we are or how significant this situation is. It's about how we're relating to God in whatever it is. See, I think we tend to tolerate a lot of low-level stress or worry, but we think it's, it's not that bad. It's, you know, sort of acceptable when really we're actually not trusting God. And then how are we to pray? Well, he says, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Present your requests with thanksgiving. Hmm. How can we give thanks for something we're requesting before we've received it? It doesn't seem to make sense. You know, for example, if I said to you, oh, could you please give me a birthday present? And, ah, uh, oh, thank you for the new jet ski you'll get me. It's uh, very nice. <laughs> it, it doesn't quite make sense. But this is the key, that you come to God in prayer with your concerns, with a situation that's worrying you, and you pray for a certain outcome, but you recognize God is in control and you trust him. 
So you can say, Father, thank you. Thank you that in this situation, whatever happens, you know what is best for me. You are with me. You will never forsake me or let me go. You are infinitely wise and you care for me. And even though I can't see the way ahead, thank you that you can. And you hold me in your hands. See, the anxiety or stress or worry that rocks our spirits from a lack of trust in God comes from thinking we are in control or that we need to be in control. I reckon one outcome of this is busyness. Not living a full life, but an overfull life where you don't have time to rest. You're constantly tired. Your mind is scattered. Remember uh, the, the meaning of anxiety being pulled apart in different directions. That's what happens when we're busy. We may not recognize it as that, but when we're overly busy, we're failing to trust God is in control. We think he might not provide or that he can't do it. And we rely on ourselves, putting ourselves in control. Another outcome of this is fear of the future. We think God's not in control, so we worry about what's going to happen, whether it's tomorrow or in 10 years' time. Uh, we can have a fear of the future uh, from a lack of trust in God that makes us anxious. You are not in control, but that's okay. You don't need to be because the Lord is. The Lord who is near. The Lord who by his power has all things under his control. And that frees us. So we are to pray in every situation to bring our requests to God, thanking him that he is in control, that he knows best, and that he's working for our good. And what is the result? The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will make all your problems disappear. No, wait, no, it's not that. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So God doesn't promise to remove our trials or to change our circumstances or to make things easier necessarily, but to ground us and protect us so that we are like Paul, unwavering, steady, with that inner calm that cannot be shaken by the turbulences of our troubles, will be like a deeply rooted tree with a thick trunk that stands firm even when it's been battered by gale-force winds. God's peace cannot be comprehended or explained. It's a supernatural peace that drowns out worry and is distinctive and noticeably different in our unsettled, restless world. And his peace guards our hearts and minds. This is a military term of a soldier diligently on duty, protecting from enemy attacks. And when we pray, God's peace will defend our hearts and minds from the spiritual enemy of anxiety. So what situation do you need to bring to the Lord in prayer? How can you bring that to him with thanksgiving that he is in control? And that you can trust him. Maintain perspective 
and continually persisting in prayer is to be an ongoing part of the Christian life. How? Through practice. And this is our third point, practice. See, it's not just about praying once we feel anxious. It's about training and preparing ourselves preemptively. It's like being a footy player. You, you go to training during the week to practice so that on game day, in the heat of the moment, when you're under pressure, you're ready and you can perform. And Paul tells us this. He says he wants the Philippians to follow his example and teaching. Uh, he says, whatever you've heard uh, or learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. So we're to be people of action who practice the way of peace. But action will only flow from our thinking. So Paul says in verse 8, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So this is interesting. Our, our culture says to deal with worry and stress, don't think. Uh, you know, we've got to switch off, disconnect. Uh, you need to detach from your current situation. Uh, you know, um, do some different relaxation methods. Um, go and get a massage and do some mindfulness and things like that that help you calm down. Um, don't think. think. Thinking will only make it worse. But instead, Christians are to switch on, to reconnect, to reattach yourself to the reality of the gospel, to think about the bigger picture. So not thinking just about your worries and getting uh, bogged down in that, but thinking about uh, the gospel reality. Because thinking helps us get that perspective. It helps us remember that we have reasons for peace and access to the peace of God himself. Um. I think, you know, relaxation methods um, still have a place. Uh, these things are, are gifts from God that um, can help us on a, you know, a physiological level. Um, but they're not enough. They're not enough. Uh, we need uh, to, to recognize um, the bigger picture, to know the peace of God himself. Now, there are eight things to shape our thinking now that Paul talks about. The first four, about our minds. The second four, about our hearts. So firstly, thinking about that which is true, noble, right, pure. This is thinking about the truth of God's word, holding firm to right doctrine and theology, meditating on our true reality. So spending time reminding yourself that God is in control that we can trust him, that he's working for our good. See, we have the ultimate little book of calm, the Bible. And we need to work on absorbing it into our system like many. So perhaps there's a specific verse that you can memorize this week to speak to a current situation or worry. You know, maybe we think God has forgotten us and left us alone. No. The Lord is near. We might think God doesn't care about me. No, 
In 1 Peter 5 verse 7, it says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. We might forget God's faithfulness and goodness. But Romans 8.28 says, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. This is about our minds being shaped and guided by God's word, his promises, not by our circumstances or emotions. Uh, There's um, a beautiful illustration uh, from the missionary Amy Carmichael. I'm just going to read um, Elizabeth Elliot's uh, description of this. Um, So uh, there's Elizabeth Elliot describing this illustration from Amy Carmichael. So um, uh, an illustration from Nature of Perfect Peace. The sunbird, one of the tiniest of birds, a native of India, builds a pendant nest, hanging it by four frail threads, generally from a spray of uh, a shrub. It is a delicate work of art, with its roof and tiny porch, which a splash of water or a child's touch might destroy. She tells how she saw a little sunbird building such a nest just before the monsoon season, and felt that for once bird wisdom had failed. For how could such a delicate structure in such an exposed situation weather the winds and the torrential rains? The monsoon broke, and from her window she watched the nest swaying with the branches in the wind. Then she perceived that the nest had been so placed that the leaves immediately above it formed little gutters which carried the water away from the nest. And there sat the sunbird with its tiny head resting on her little porch. And whenever a drop of water fell on her long curved beak, she sucked it in as if it were nectar. The storms raged furiously, but the sunbird sat, quiet and unafraid, hatching her tiny eggs. We have a more substantial rest for head and heart than the sunbird's porch. We have the promises of God. They are enough, however terrifying the storm. What a beautiful reminder that is. Uh, Secondly, uh, we're to meditate on that which is lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. Uh, This is about our desire, our affections, our worship. Not just thinking with our minds, but loving with our hearts. And what is the most lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy thing we can set our hearts on? Well, it's, it's not a doctrine or a belief. It's a person. It's Jesus. Jesus the most lovely one, who is worthy of all admiration and praise, the one who left heaven's glory to walk in a lowly body on this earth, who was the ultimate man of peace. He always trusted God. In his life and ministry, he was never anxious, not ruffled by the demands of the crowds, the accusations of the religious leaders, the power of a storm or the rage of an evil spirit. He was always steady and calm. Until one night, in the Garden of Gethsemane, we see Jesus in utter anguish, 
He says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And then on the cross, Jesus cries out in distress. This is not a man at peace. Why? Well, what's the ultimate worry or anxiety for any of us? It's death. But not just any death, eternal death. To be cut off from God and the life that he offers. And this is what all of us had faced because of our sin. Yet Jesus came to bear sin for us. He died in our place. He was forsaken by God the Father, giving up the perfect peace he knew to secure perfect peace for us forever. And when the followers of Jesus saw him hanging on the cross, they thought all hope was lost. They looked and thought, God's not in control. God's not good. This is the most horrible evil. God's abandoned us. No. This was the ultimate display of God's goodness. Evidence that God hadn't abandoned us, but in fact through Jesus' death was drawing near to us. Turning the biggest injustice and evil into the greatest good to show that ultimately he is in control. And then raising Christ from the dead to secure that glorious eternal future for us. That's how much God cares for you. And so the peace of God is offered to you. But you can only experience it in life's circumstances when you see the one who has secured eternal peace for us. Jesus. Jesus, the name that charms our fears. That bids our sorrows cease. Tis music in the sinner's ears. Tis life and health and peace. And when we see him, we have the right perspective on whatever situation we face. We'll be able to trust that God is in control and we'll turn to him in prayer with thankfulness. And we'll fix our minds on God's promises to hold us firm with our hearts set on our Saviour, and the God of peace will be with you. Amen.